a Flow Media production. Beautiful, a true crime memoir. Written by Cameron Lundgren. Narrated by Jesse Angeles. A tale of fast romance that escalated quickly into a heated exchange. One man now is left accused of a murder that he didn't commit and robbed of the grieving of his lost love. Chapter 16, Thugs. After the Nightmare, November 2019. By November, my back was feeling much better, probably due in large part to the opiates. I'd been sleeping all day and all night, high, until one day I woke up to my mom and my stepdad arguing upstairs. He lays down there and sleeps all day. My stepdad bellowed, I don't care. He's my son, and he's been through so much. If you don't like it, leave. I waited for the commotion to subside and just kept quiet in my basement home. It was hard to say whether my mom knew what was really going on. I wasn't acting normal, that's for sure. But I think she considered me to be a fragile flower, unwilling to rock the boat and probably hoping I'd just snap out of it one day which wasn't surprising since I had left home to be on my own and been self-sufficient since I was 17. Either way, I welcomed it. My friends messaged me over the months to check in, but I was checked out. The drugs had full control of me, like they were puppeteering my limbs. I'd use, sleep, wake up, occasionally meet up with Natalie to rebuild my stash, rinse, wash, and repeat. I didn't care if I was ruining my own life but I sure as hell didn't want my mom and stepdad to be fighting over me. My stepdad was right. Maybe I need to get out of the house and give them some space. The heroin was least numbing the pain enough for me to move about a lot easier. One evening, as the night grew, I waited for them to go to sleep, crept around to pack a bag of clothes, and headed down to the local Best Western. At least there, I could eat breakfast in the morning and not feel like I was imposing. I inched out the front door, peered to the left and right. The paranoia was still in high gear. Over the last few weeks, I'd noticed a suspicious white Camry parked a few houses down from my mom's, and someone was always inside the car. I didn't know her neighbors well, and a lot of the drama after Shana's death had settled down, so I didn't think too much of it, but suspicious nonetheless. I had been making trips every other day to my home in Midvale, so possibly someone could have followed me here too. As I eased the truck into the street, the Camry pulled out a few seconds later and began to follow me at safe distance. Okay, am I just paranoid or what? When I pulled up to the hotel parking, I scanned the area. No Camry to be found. I hopped out of my truck and grabbed my luggage and darted inside as was common in a rare event I left the house these days. I approached the front desk and immediately wondered whether the woman would recognize my name on my license. If she knew who I was, she didn't make it known. Walking down the hallway to my first floor room, I saw a group of five men enter one of the side entrances, which happened to be in the direction I was headed. I locked eyes and I quickened my step to get to my room a few feet ahead quickly inserting my key card and double locking the door behind me. I shoved my eye to the peephole to see the group standing around my door, whispering. Well, that was good timing, one of them whispered. What was that about? 
The windows faced outward towards the parking lot, so I drew the blinds and prepared a shot of dope in the bathroom, periodically checking the peephole and peering outside the window. As I injected the deadly black drug, my eyes started to become sleepy, my worries subsiding. I sprawled out onto the bed and resumed my usual routine of talking to Shayna, her spirit the only company I had kept lately with conversation like, I miss you, baby. I'm, I hope you're in a better place. And remember when we... I was deep in my black tar dreams when I heard knocking. Wait, that's at the door. Someone's knocking at the door. I squinted at the alarm clock and felt a pit in my stomach. It was 2 a.m. Hotel service, a young woman's voice sang. Slinking over the door, high as a kite, I checked the peephole. A young woman dressed in white top stood in front of the door. I'm peering through the peephole, and there's now another voice, a much deeper one. Go check the window outside, it whispered. Fuck. Rushing to my bag, I realized I left my gun at home. What the fuck were you thinking, Cameron? My worst fear had come true. I was being hunted down, only this time I was unarmed and fighting through a haze of heroin while whoever outside my door plotted to attack me. More knocking. I grabbed my phone off the bed and rushed to open the window, hoping I could make a quick getaway. The window jammed on the safety latch, preventing me from opening. Now the pounding on the door intensified. I knew I had to make a last-ditch effort. I grabbed the lamp off the nightstand and began beating it against the window latch until it finally released. I leaped out the window, sharp pain pricking my back. The group of guys I had seen earlier came rushing out the same side entrance of the hotel before one of them screaming, Get him! I drove behind the closest car and crouched low. I got a gun, motherfuckers! I shouted, peeping over the hood. I saw them ducking behind the truck, about six or seven cars away, then muffled sounds of shoes against the pavement as they moved through the cars towards me. God damn it. I couldn't even call the cops, not without them finding enough dope in my room to send me to prison. I could hear them getting closer, still crouched. I began moving in reverse behind the car after car until I reached the street, which meant giving up anything to act as a shield. Across the street, a gas station sat on the corner that led down to the residential street. I didn't have much time to weigh my options. I made a mad dash across the street, then booked it down a row of houses. I was an open target if they wanted to shoot me, so I wildly scanned for something to hide behind before landing on a parked van in someone's driveway. I sat down against the van to catch my breath, then cautiously peered around the car, spotting six men rushing across the street. I crawled toward the back of the driveway, which backed up to the gate to the backyard of a house across the street. The backyard was fenced, but to my advantage. If I had hopped it fast enough, there was no way these guys could catch me. I took a few steps back and ran toward the eight-foot fence, jumping up, grabbing the top plank, and using my upper body strength to carry me over the top. I flung my body over and jumped down onto the ground. The sharp, stabbing pain was shooting through my back. The drugs were thankfully holding up, but I knew I'd paid for that tomorrow. The moonless night was on my side tonight. The adjacent backyard was unfenced 
and I raced through the next door neighbor's backyard, around the side of the house, and out onto a new street. The men behind grew faint. I'm still moving at a quick speed, reaching the front sidewalk. My foot catches the storm drain, and I go flying, toppling over flat on my face. Moaning, I turned my head to the side and came face to face with an exhaust pipe. My back can't take any more, and I'm in agony. I had fallen right behind a parked car in the street, which coincidentally gave me a nice hiding spot from the right angle. The crunch of tires against the asphalt alerted me to a car approaching around the corner. With every ounce of strength left, I pulled myself far underneath the car as I could, hoping I'm not causing permanent damage to my back. The car crept down the street, its headlights growing closer and closer until they illuminated the patch of ground below me. Slowing to a stop in front of the car I was hiding under, suddenly lights from inside someone's house began to flicker on. Their residents probably heard me faceplant. The intruding car picked up speed and drove off. Barely able to move, I rummaged around in my pockets until I found some dope and stuffed it in my mouth. The rancid taste burned my throat, and I choked to keep it down. Then I reached into my other pocket for my phone. Cameron, why are you calling this early? Glenn's voice was drowsy and irritated. Why the hell did I just call a lawyer of all people? Glenn, people are after me, chasing me. Can you come get me? Every word that came out felt like a thousand bee stings in my back. Tell me where you're at. I pinged in my location and continued to lie there for at least another 30 minutes. The feeling of a knife in my back subsided. The drugs were kicking in. It was enough to allow me to roll out from under the car and slouch behind it. Glenn pulled up shortly after, and I jogged to the passenger door, then did a double take. His wife was in the passenger seat. Sorry, my wife wanted to come along. I felt like an idiot. I was high in front of my lawyer and his wife. I silently slid into the back seat and buckled up feeling suddenly ashamed. I didn't see anyone suspicious coming down here, Glenn said. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. My things are still at the hotel, but I don't think it's a good idea to go back there. Glenn drove back to the hotel anyway. Don't see that car you mentioned. You want to grab your stuff real quick while I wait by the door? Defeated, I obliged. As we drove to my mom's, it was dead silent in the car and in the outside world. People had yet to wake up and begin their day. How much longer could I continue this circus? If someone wanted me dead, was it just a matter of time? Should I just give up and stand in front of the firing range? Thank you again for joining us here on the podcast. Just a reminder, this podcast comes out every Monday and Wednesday, so go ahead and mark that on your calendar. Also, you can get this book on Amazon, so go ahead and click on the link below and you could either read along with us or you can skip ahead, find out what happens to Cam. Again, thanks so much for being here today. This is a Flow Media production. <laughs>